0: Ball touchdown Tampa Bay, Chris Godwin. This is Buccaneers Total Access. Godwin scores the first of 2021. What a drive by Tom Brady of the Buccaneers. Brought to you by Frontier Communications. Do what cable can with Frontier fiber optic internet. Visit Frontier.com to learn more. And by Hooters Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. Fire the cannons. Fire the cannons. Now, your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips.
1: Welcome into Buccaneers Total Access with Cam Brake, brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. Cam, thank you so much for joining us.
2: You're very welcome.
1: You get all the brownie points in the world for coming on the show after the, I'm sure, worst overnight <laughs> trip experience in terms of lack of sleep. Uh, so how many hours are we running on?
2: Uh, four hours and 30 minutes.
1: That is That is. Better than I would have thought.
2: Yeah. No, it was my whoop said it was very restful though. So oh, that counts for something.
1: So you're ready. But yeah. yeah, so any any jumbled words, anything you end up yeah, saying? Yeah, I
2: apologize in advance. Yeah, yeah we like just what I say have... makes zero sense. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's the thing. You get a complete pass for this and you yeah, all the brownie points for being willing to come on the show after that. But at least you have a win to talk about even if there's no <laughs> sleep.
2: <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine the the plane ride back and coming into work today if we would have lost that game. So yeah. Feels a lot better being sleep-deprived after a win.
1: Absolutely. And Sunday night football, it may cause late-night flights, but uh, is that something you still get excited for, the the primetime idea?
2: For sure. It's hard not to. I mean, um, yeah, anytime you're playing primetime, you do feel like a little bit of extra excitement just because you know there's going to be extra attention on the game. But last night with the whole uh, me returning to Harvard as the main (laughs) storyline, returning to the New England, the the fans chanting, great – yeah. Brady. Yeah, that was, that was yeah, I pretty, didn't pretty remember. special for me. Yeah. I didn't
1: remember that your nickname was Brady. You yeah, know, Brady. Yeah. That's that's yeah. I I would forgotten about that entirely. Yeah, it was Harvard had been clamoring <laughs> for this.
2: Yeah. Uh yeah. Yesterday was, um, in all seriousness, like totally wild atmosphere. Uh, I can't imagine the emotions Tom was going through and just to be a part of that was pretty special.
1: Yeah. What had you guys talked about? as an offense separate from him, even in the week leading up to it, I have to imagine there was this desire for you guys to, you always want to win, but to win it for him. Did you get that sense?
2: Yeah, it was definitely like an unspoken understanding amongst the guys. Like we could sense, you know, a little bit of heightened, uh, you know, sense of urgency, attention and detail from Tom starting on Wednesday. And so like,
1: Which it's not like that's not there in the 100%.
2: It really is like almost no different, but like.
1: So that's what I was going to say. That must have been a lot of intensity based on his baseline level. (laughs)
2: Exactly, yeah. So um, all of us kind of elevated our preparation, and, um, you know, it was just, we're just thrilled that we were able to win that game for him, you know, um, because I know that meant a lot to him.
1: And what were some of the things that stood out between the atmosphere, the hype with it, and then him breaking the, the passing yard record? What were some of those things it like to experience as a teammate?
2: Yeah, that's, the, the passing record was – I honestly didn't even know about it. I had no clue, but just because of all the hype around, uh, you know, Brady returning to New England, Brady Belichick, whatever, um, I had no idea that he was breaking that record and, until the ref handed him the ball and <laughs> he threw it to the sideline. I was like, that looked bizarre. Um, <laughs>
1: Yeah, you're like, what happened on that play? I mean, like Mike's great, but yeah. Yeah,
2: But uh, um, yeah, the whole thing was just the level of excitement. Um, I mean, showing up to the hotel on uh, Saturday before the game, there's just thousands of people outside just waiting, like, to look at Tom. Um,
1: (laughs) And you're sure it's not for you. (laughs) Well, you know,
2: I think that I heard might have been a Brady, but in my head, someone was yelling Brady. Yeah. Um, But. yeah, that, just the atmosphere in the stadium, the amount of press on the sideline pregame was insane. Uh, and just kind of hearing about that whole storyline all week, I think all of us can kind of like take a, a deep breath now and just... Be happy that we don't have to to do that again. Yeah, I
1: have to imagine there is relief all the way around when there's that much hype. That it's everything to say you're going to block out the noise and just focus. But you know, in today's world with social media and media at large, I think that's probably an impossible task. Uh, we're talking to Titan and Cam Brait, and I was going to ask if you guys were all competing with each other to see who was going to get to be the one to catch the record. But obviously, you didn't even know. <laughs> I had it was no happening. idea.
2: I had no idea till it happened. So, uh, yeah, I really wonder. If everyone knew, I'm yeah. sure I, I would probably say Leonard probably didn't know. Maybe Mike and Chris knew. I would say AB probably didn't. Me, AB, OJ, Leonard. I don't think knew. y'all just chilling doing your yeah, own thing. Yeah. If
1: you had known, would you have wanted to try to be the person? Like, would, would that been the <laughs> yeah, thing that you like wanted? to have a
2: small part of history with with Tom would be pretty cool. And I don't think there's anyone really close to him right now. Like. I know him and Drew were kind of back and forth there for a while, mm-hmm. breaking each other's records, but I think he's got a little breathing room at this point. Yeah, I don't think now that that pass unless him. Drew all of a sudden decides, right. you know, yeah. to come out of
1: retirement just to get a few more yards just to spite him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think he will, but, you know, you never know with him.
1: <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, And I, I wanted to ask for that game. It was such a bizarre game, not only just for all the hype and the storylines and everything, but just what ended up happening – on the field i mean here especially the the rain and all of that i mean i know that's not ideal for you guys as an offense so um how did that affect what you guys had wanted to do what you ended up having to do the execution all of that
2: yeah I, so as like a skill position player the rain is like you see you in the forecast and you're just keeping your fingers crossed that it holds off for the game because that just adds a whole a whole nother element you really have to think about and um, you know, I dropped a pass yesterday. We had a couple couple balls go through other guys' hands. It's it's a whole different challenge, um, securing the football in those conditions. But both teams had to deal with it, um, you know, kind of the way we are as an offense. We're pretty explosive in passing the ball down the field. So, obviously, like, throwing and catching was a little bit more challenging yesterday given those conditions. So, we had to, to lean on the running game a little bit more. And um, just a ton of credit goes out to the O-line and, and Leonard and Rojo, um, you know, by far our best game running the football. And honestly, a lot of that can also be pointed back at Tom because this week we did a ton of extra meetings working on the run game, even the, the morning of the game, um, just working out, on figuring out how we we're going to block their different looks as a, as a unit and um, just being on the same page last night, that just paid huge dividends.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. And for, for you, the idea of the run game, how much is that something that, you've been working on as well that you know we a lot of the focus gets put on the running backs and the o-line but mm-hmm. as a tight ends group i know that's something you guys care about as well
2: for sure uh, the thing is when you have a good run game like that helps out the tight ends in the passing game so much that's like the the easiest way to get open as a tight end is to have a good running game uh get the linebackers coming downhill and it was a huge point of emphasis this week uh we thought the the patriots were, were going to do a good job of trying to stop tom in the passing game and um we, they didn't play it exactly how we thought they were going to. Um, but uh, it just we, we just took such a big step forward in running the football, and it's really something we can build off moving forward.
1: I know there, uh, you had a, a big catch in the fourth quarter to set up first and goal, one of those last couple drives there, getting some of those go-ahead field goals. Take us through those last couple drives and um, you know your role in them and then just what that was like to be a part of when you know you guys are trying to – you don't know when this is your last chance to be trying to put some points on the board.
2: Yeah, uh, playing on the road in the fourth quarter in a tight game, that's really hard. And, you know, everyone has to, to be really good with some of, like, the nonverbal cues because you can't really hear anything that's going on. And that, that's something that we practice a ton because last week we didn't do a great job handling the noise in L.A. And um, it just it seems like we, we have so many guys on offense that you never really know who's going to be that's going to step up and make the big play. And, um, you know, just at different times, you know, Leonard—he was running so hard yesterday. He—he he made some huge runs there in the fourth quarter. Rojo, uh, punching in the, the the touchdown that we had um, in the third. Um, it's just hard to defend us when we we're, when we're running the football like that. Just because teams are going to have to single cover some of the guys on the outside, and that's going to be hard to do. when you got Mike, Ab, and Chris as, as receivers. Yeah, and
1: you and you brought up the noise idea on the road that. Um... While you've been here a long time, this is the first time this group of offensive players this year has been going into these road stadiums with them full and mm-hmm. loud because that was not a thing last year. And then you started off the season with the home games. So with the Rams, with the Patriots games, how do you feel like you guys handled the noise? That, that game, was it better against the Patriots? What did you work on to try to improve with that?
2: Yeah, it was so much better this week than, than last week in L.A. And you, it's hard to really simulate that in practice. Yeah. Um,
1: Y'all do try, though, man. We do. You, you pipe know. in was, that noise, and I, I mean, we I heard know. Tom's hoarse voice last week.
2: <laughs> yeah, you, you kind of want to bring earplugs out to practice. They bring out <laughs> the big speakers like 10 feet away from, uh, from the offense, and it's just blaring in your ear for two hours. But um, it really was different uh, in L.A., it, just not having that experience last year, not really playing in, in front of a crowd in two years. Uh, it was a big adjustment, and, and we had a bunch of pre-snap penalties, a lot of communication issues. Um, so that's, that was a huge point of emphasis this week. We knew it was going to be um, you know, a, a crazy atmosphere in New England, and uh, I thought we did a really good job um, kind of um, amending those mistakes and um, really something to build off and, and continue to work on throughout the year.
1: I know the red zone has been an area you guys have taken a lot of pride in. I know it's something you've always you know, loved and has been a big part of your career here as well. Um, and then I know it was not – uh, up to the standards you guys have for yourself this last week. What was not working with the red zone? What has worked so far this year? Just give us kind of an overview of that.
2: That's a great question, uh, and I'm happy that I don't have to, you know, I don't have to coach it up and figure out the exact issues because it is – You're not up at the blackboard drawing uh, Yeah, up exactly. Everything. It's it's so hard. These defenses um, can get really creative because they don't have to really defend the big play over the top. They're defending a lot less field, um, whereas normally like – Teams against us in the field, they have to have safeties helping their corners because Mike, Chris, and A V, like who—who who wants to cover those guys one-on-one? But in the red zone, um, you know, you can kind of switch up your looks because you can't really get beat, beat deep. So, um, you know, they're a really well-coached team. They did a lot of different things, and um, it, it really was just on us. though. <laughs> like uh, with all the talent we have on offense, you know, if we're not producing, especially down the red zone, it's really just execution issues and. Um, you know, it, it definitely could have been a different game yesterday if we, if we executed better in the red zone, and I'm sure the coaches are going to harp on it big time this week. And uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can improve and be better next week.
1: Yeah, and I know that uh, Gronk definitely a big contributor in the red zone, so mm-hmm. losing him would have been um, a factor there as well. Did that seem to be something that affected what you guys tried to do in the red zone, not having him?
2: Uh, I would say we probably kind of did the same stuff, but just not having his presence. You know, everyone's aware of where he is, especially down there, just because of how big of a mismatch he is physically. Um, you know, can't really put anyone on him one on one just with his size. Um, so, not having him hurt and, and um, just not really having his presence out there, not having the defense focus on him allowed them to kind of do different things that I'm sure they wouldn't have. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to getting him back. I'm not sure when that'll be, hopefully pretty soon.
1: Absolutely. All right, well, we're going to have more on Buccaneers Total Access with Titan end Cam Brate, brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. Don't go anywhere. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network.
0: You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier Communications and by Hooters. Here's Bucs team reporter Casey Phillips.
1: Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access with Cam Braid, brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. And right before the break, we were talking about Gronk and how great he is in the red zone. And we saw four touchdowns the first uh, couple games of the season. Um, And I would love to hear just for you what his effect has been like for you to have in in a meeting room with to learn from to hang out with to hear from both on and off the field I mean this is a quite quite a presence in a meeting room in practice I imagine
2: yeah um you know he was a guy I always kind of like looked up to as a player and obviously thought he was you know a funny dude um <laughs> just when I was in college um uh, up in New England and uh So I was thrilled when we signed him, you know, I I didn't know how he was going to be as a person. Um, I knew who he was as a player, you know, probably the best Mm -hmm. tight end of all time, but uh, he's just been an amazing teammate, amazing friend uh, for the past year and a half. And um, the thing I probably would say I'm most, you know, surprised with Gronk, is how hard of a worker he is. Um, Even during like every practice, like he never complains. He has to take every rep um you know he's getting banged up every single game but he's still coming Wednesday yeah he's just he's a blast to be around he makes coming to work fun and um I just learned so much from not really listening to him talk about football but just watching him I I don't know if he he does a great job verbalizing you know everything (laughs) he sees and does on the field but um yeah he does all these little things that you know I'll be like hey why'd you do that and he's like oh Oh, I don't know. I, I, I guess I did do that. So um, <laughs> what
1: a great Gronk impersonation. I enjoy that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I and I didn't I hear you had a Gronk jersey at one point?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I got the uh, the exclusive from China when I was in uh, college for like 20 bucks. So he didn't get the three dollar share <laughs> from the NFL shop. Um, but yeah, I was cleaning out my I closet. I mean,
1: have you Venmoed him that $3, you know, to try and make up for it? You know, red, I think or? he's
2: going to be all right. <laughs> you know, he's doing all these USA commercials, and uh, I think he's all right on the money. But uh, yeah, I was cleaning out my, uh, my closet, and my, uh, my parents just moved uh, from outside Chicago. They moved to Boulder, and uh, so I was helping them, you know, move my stuff out this summer, and I back in my closet, I found my Gronk jersey. Um, but I donated it to Goodwill.
1: <laughs> you didn't want to come in rocking that one? Well,
2: the thing is, like, it was a Patriots Gronk yeah. jersey. I felt like that would be a little weird wearing it to the facility, but, um, yeah, I got, I got a, a Bucks Gronk jersey, too, hanging up in, in my wall, so um, that one's a, a nice replacement.
1: What did, what did he say when he found out you'd had his jersey?
2: I sent him a picture of me wearing his jersey, uh, and I would have to look at my phone. I can't remember what he texted me, but... Um, I think he told me that I had to keep it, but I donated it. You know, someone out there is gonna gonna be loving that China doing the Patriots <laughs> Gronk jersey.
1: <laughs> That's incredible. Um and I know now you've you've had to go without Gronk for a game, hopefully like you said, not for long. We we thought we were finally gonna be at this place of having, you know, you, O. J. and Gronk all just ready to go and, you know, missed OJ for a lot of last year, and how did that affect you guys when you knew he was going to be out for such a long time last season? And the way you tried to reallocate some of the, the jobs and positions.
2: Yeah, so you know, last year at the beginning of the year, um, we were definitely trying to find our identity as an offense. You know, we had a, you know a bunch of new pieces come in, a new quarterback. Uh, we were really switching up what we were doing on offense. So those first couple weeks, we were really trying to figure out what we were doing last year. Then unfortunately, OJ was playing great. And, um, you know, he suffered his Achilles injury, and, you know, that definitely switched up my role compared to what I was doing the first few weeks. Um, But to have him back, you know, he's still working his way back, you know, getting comfortable um, after, you know, that major injury. But, um, you know, I think he's just going to keep on getting more and more playing time every week. Um, You know, he's starting to look more like his old self again. And, uh, yeah, I I think he's going to he's going to end up being huge for us down the stretch.
1: And. How do you feel like he handled that and how you guys tried to help him along the way with that? What did you see? Because it's always so interesting to hear when guys know they're going to be out for a long time mm-hmm. to see how how they stay involved and the role they can have and, and coming back. So how did he handle that and how did you guys try to help him?
2: Yeah, last year was a, definitely a weird year to get hurt with the COVID restrictions as well. Just because, um, you know, he was having to fly to different doctors and then he couldn't get back in the facility for a week or whatever with all the restrictions. So, um, you know, he would text us after every game, and, um, it, you know, is one of the most positive people I know, and um, just seeing how hard he worked to get back, uh, to put himself in the spot where he'd be able to play week one this year, uh, really says a lot about him and who he is as a person. So, um, you know, even like this year, you know, first couple of games, he didn't get a ton of playing time. He still was super upbeat and positive, you know, happy for Gronk and all his, his success the first couple of games. And... Like I said, he's still working his way back, and um, I think he's going to be huge for us to uh, yeah, finish up the year.
1: We're talking to tight end Cambry, and what do you think it's going to look like having all three of you guys healthy and ready to go? What is that going to mean for this offense and the different skill sets that each of you guys have and, and what that would mean?
2: Yeah, it just allows us to be more multiple. Um, <laughs> the only issue is, you know, we put – Two tight ends in the game. That means we gotta take out Mike, Chris, or A. B. <laughs> and not to even mention Scotty and Tyler and Jalen. Um, it's just kind of wild the depth we have across all the skill positions. Um, but to have you know that plethora of different skill sets and talent. Once we start really mixing up our personnel, which we're still you know trying to figure out our identity as an offense, it's just gonna put a ton of pressure on the defense, and you know it'll help keep guys fresh. Um, you know, we've had some injuries, luckily, not too many skilled players. Obviously, we'd love to have Gronk come back. Um, but just being able to have that depth and keeping guys fresh. It's 17-game season now, so um, that's like probably the most important thing that having that depth does is allows guys to, to not have to play every single play.
1: You mentioned the idea of the offense finding its identity, and it felt like last season there was definitely this moment that things clicked mm-hmm. um, kind of right around that bi-week time. And I remember Coach Arians even saying he hated that you guys had to stop playing after the Super Bowl because it felt like, wait, we've finally gotten this figured out. We hate mm-hmm. to take a break. And you said you guys are still working to get it figured out this year. So what happened last year? Where are you guys at this year? What, what are some of those factors that are still being worked out and, and the difference in last year and this year?
2: Yeah, even though we have the same, basically the same team as last year, every year is different. There's so many different variables and factors that play into kind of where you're at uh, as a team, especially to start of the season. You know, this year we didn't really have much of an offseason program. It was a shorter offseason in the Super Bowl. A ton of guys had, you know, different injuries they were working their way back from. We didn't get as much work in the offseason as we did really last year. Um, so we, we had to kind of start from square one again, uh, even though we had the same personnel just developing that timing, um, the consistency in what we were doing. And, you know, most teams are kind of in that same spot, trying to figure out what they, what they really want to do as an offense. And um, I think it's hard for us because of who we have at quarterback, who our offensive line is, who our skill position players are, not to want to throw the ball. You know, it's, it's tempting to just drop back and pass every single play when you have, you know, the receivers and quarterback that we have. But that being said, we need to run the football as well. You know, you have to stay balanced as an offense. And so yesterday was really the first time all year we were, we were really committed to the running game. And it was huge for us, controlling the clock, controlling the line of scrimmage. Um, it, it just, it was, it's going to open up so much more in what we can do as an offense. So um, that's what we really did well last year, the last eight games, was run the football, uh, control the clock, really be in control of the game. and um, you know, yesterday was a good start in doing that again this year.
1: Yeah, Bruce Arians may be known as the no risk and no biscuit, but throwing 50 and 55 times like in the Rams and Cowboys games yeah. not the ideal scenario even for him. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the idea of how many weapons you guys have. How explain to everybody though, as much as you hate that people have to come out or not get the ball as much, how unselfish everybody actually is. That what are, what are the dynamics? Because I think it's one thing for people to just kind of hear that, but for someone in the locker room of no and in these offensive meetings to know what this group of offensive guys are like.
2: Yeah, and so it really just starts with the the top guys, you know, Mike, Chris, uh, Gronk, A B, totally unselfish players. Um so if like Mike Evans, who's you know, probably future Hall of Fame receiver, um, you know, if he's not gonna complain about getting the ball like Who am I to complain about not getting the ball? So uh, it starts with those guys. Those guys work so hard in practice every week, super unselfish. Chris is blocking defensive ends, you know, as one of the best receivers in the NFL, doesn't say a word, uh, you know, gives incredible effort every single day in practice and the games. So just to see those guys kind of lead by example and set that bar where they do, it's like, who are we to like, man I need to get my targets like no yeah. like as long as we're moving the ball on offense and being productive and efficient like everyone's happy.
1: And you have been with Mike and Chris for a while now mm-hmm. um, but how did you see Tom coming in affect each of them and, and what they're able to do and, and bring to this offense?
2: So I think what really separates like the good players from the great players is their ability to elevate those around them and I think you Everyone could see that that's what Tom does. Um, just the example that he sets and the expectations that he has for us as an offense, like we know we have to be on top of our game because he's going to be on top of his game. He's going to command that of us as well. And so um, as soon as we sign Tom, like everyone, if we were Madden players, you know, if we were 85s, as soon as we signed Tom, we we're 90s. Like that's, <laughs> that's what the great players do. And, um, you know, everyone kind of picked up their game once we got Tom and, um, that's just who he is as a player and a leader.
1: And you are new with AB Mm -hmm. in the last year or so. What have you learned as the difference of watching him from afar versus having him on the team and what he's like at practice, what he's like in the game and and that dynamic that he added?
2: He's another guy that that makes coming to work fun. Just the, the amount of energy and excitement he has to be in the locker room, to be out there at practice. It's infectious. and. The one thing I'll say, you know, obviously, Ab's incredible ball skills, really quick, fast, uh, really great route runner. His instincts for the game are like unparalleled in terms of like receivers, like the feel he has. Um, and, and it's like I don't know if he could explain, like kind of like Gronk, exactly why he does like certain like route adjustments or um, certain little like nuances in route running that he does, but. Just his his feel for the game is like pretty incredible to watch.
1: And I know you you mentioned that the off season in some ways was a lot shorter because of the Super Bowl, and then even just the the different times you guys were able to work out. And then of course you had an injury during mm-hmm. the off season. Um, how did you feel like that affected your ability to come in the season? And do you, at what point did you finally feel a hundred percent? Both not just from an injury standpoint, but in a communication and mental side and readiness in that way.
2: Yeah, I mean. It was definitely a weird off season for me. I kind of was dealing with something that actually happened like the week of the Super Bowl and lasted all the way through training camp and couldn't really put our finger on what was going on. But uh, luckily, we were able to kind of kind of figure it out. And um, yeah, it was definitely weird uh, and extremely boring watching the first three weeks of training camp. Like I don't know how the coaches do it. Like I love football. Like love watching it. Love being around it. But like standing on the practice field for like 3 hours a day in the sun, man. That was that was horrible. You'd
1: rather uh, be getting I'd know, rather be hit by oh my the Oh no question. Sun no question. No
2: question. But um, yeah, so like I, you know, it's not like I don't know how to play football like but just like having that confidence and like seeing the field, seeing the defense, like trusting your footwork um that takes time. Like that's what training camp's for. And so to miss out on that, like, yeah, I felt like a little bit behind the eight ball at the beginning of the year. And really wasn't until probably like two weeks ago that I really felt comfortable in everything that I was doing. So, um, but yeah, as I feel like I'm back to normal now, you know, but uh, yeah, it was definitely a weird off season for me.
1: That's great that you were able to get to that place now of feeling like you're hundred percent ready to go. And um, how do you feel like overall you have grown since coming into the league even, as you look at now, I mean, you've, you've been in the league a lot longer than the average NFL player. So to look at where you've, you've come on the field, off the field, what are the things that stand out to you in that regard?
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's me and my fiance were talking about the other day, actually. It's, um, you know, obviously you're going to grow as a player, right? Like you're going to get more experience, you know, have a better feel. Um, but really, like, I feel like most of my improvements of a player had kind of are tied to like growing as a person as well. And, um, you know, when you first come in the league, you're, you're just a kid still, you know, you're just fresh out of college. You're excited to get be getting a paycheck for the first time. But um, yeah, it's it's been, you know, kind of fun to look back on. And, um, you know, going from, you know, just fresh out of college, a kid to being where I'm at now as a person, like establish myself as like a real adult. Uh, <laughs>
1: Not a fake one. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> but setting up roots in Tampa and, um, yeah, it's been fun. And, um, yeah, it's just, like you said, it's been a wild run for me playing. This is my eighth year here and um, beyond my wildest expectations. And, yeah, it's been cool.
1: That's awesome. We still have more coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access with tight end Cam Brate, brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. This is Buccaneers Radio Network.
0: Buccaneers Total Access continues. Brought to you by Frontier Communications and by Hooters. Here's Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips.
1: Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access with Tide and Cam Braid, Brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. Uh, we were just talking about how much you've grown as a person, as a player, this being your eighth season, which is crazy to realize. And, um, I just wanted to kind of take a look back at even how it kind of started and, and the journey, especially for some of the people who might not know. I mean, we got a lot of new Bucks fans uh, since since a little bit more national exposure.
2: Yeah, you win the Super Bowl, I'm sure. Yeah, Yeah, we got a, we got a lot
1: of new people. So um, tell us about – I mean, you mentioned uh, your, your return to Harvard, you know, oh, yeah. uh, this trip to Boston. So um, take us back to that decision to go to Harvard and, and play there and, and how that decision ended up leading to your NFL career.
2: Yeah, so I had no know... – You know interest or anything like that at playing in the ivy league i wasn't even on my radar at any point um you know i thought i wanted to play college football once i grew you know uh so i was a late bloomer very late bloomer so i was on the freshman b football team in high school um so like the seventh team my freshman (laughs) year i was the lowest of the low and um so anyway, I got my growth spurt. I, As a freshman, I was 5'10", 140 when oh I got my gosh. permit. And then so eight months later when I got my license, I was 6'4", 200. So it took me a couple. Oh
1: my gosh.
2: Yeah. yeah. So it took me a couple years to kind of.
1: <laughs> that sounds
2: painful. Yeah. get comfortable into my body. Um, so I was a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, didn't like never thought I'd play college football even, um, but like kind of got a lot bigger in like two years and, you know, kind of fell in love with the game in high school and um, you know, started getting letters unexpectedly from colleges and um, didn't really think much of it. Uh, once I got a letter from Harvard, um, I was like, no way. Like, I don't want to go all the way to Boston. Like, I want to go to a Big Ten school, like even as a student, but, um, you know, went out there, visited them. Both my parents are teachers you know, they pretty much made the decision for me once that opportunity presented itself. I think they would have they disowned me if I would have went somewhere else with the opportunity to go to Harvard. So I went to Harvard. Um, loved it. Incredible four years. Again, no expectations of ever playing in the NFL or anything like that. Um, my teammate, Kyle Juszczyk, who's now a fullback for the 49ers. Um, so he got drafted. Me and him were, were the tight ends at Harvard. Uh, he's a year older than me. He got drafted in the fourth round by the Ravens in 2013. Um, and I was like, whoa, like, good for him. That's awesome. Uh, and so we kept in touch, and he's like, hey, man, like, you know, I'm looking at these guys at tight end. I think you could do it too. And I was like, oh, wow, like, that'd be cool if I could, you know, play for a year or two, you know, delay getting a real job for a while. <laughs> and um, yeah, so uh, I kind of went all in on football. My Junior year, um, really started training very heavily and really committed myself to the game and um, unfortunately didn't get drafted, didn't get signed as a free agent after the draft. Um,
1: You're like, dang, Kyle. It was devastating.
2: I know, right? (laughs) You Um, got my
1: hopes all up.
2: I know. So um, I remember I had a bunch of my buddies in my my dorm. We were watching the draft. No expectation to get drafted. I was hoping I'd get signed after the draft. You know, I'm sitting there an hour after the draft. My friends are all looking at me. Looking at them, like, uh, you guys want to do something else? Um, (laughs)
1: Anything other than stare at my phone. Yeah, I know,
2: right? So, um, anyway, a couple hours later, the Vikings called and went to rookie minicamp with the Vikings just as a tryout guy. Um, Didn't get signed. Got a phone call from my agent when I was in Minnesota. Flew to Harvard for, or sorry, flew to Tampa for a tryout, like a 10-minute tryout with like four other tight ends uh, the next day and ran like six routes and was lucky enough that I did enough in those six routes for them to sign me. And, um, yeah, been here ever since except five days in New Orleans.
1: Yeah, we, we need not speak of these
2: five days, <laughs> yeah. you know? Uh,
1: although that is funny because I just recently learned the fun fact that you, your high school alma mater and is where Sean Payton oh, yeah. is also from. Yep, And that, I learned about this Boys of Fall music video. Oh yeah! How have I now known you for seven years and I did not know you were a country music star. No big deal. So for people who don't know, there's a, uh, it's a Kenny Chesney song, right? Correct. Called The Boys of Fall. And there's a music video where Sean Payton gives this pep speech. It's
2: a great speech. Great speech.
1: And uh, just so happened to be to your high school team and you're in the background of this music video. Was this your, your claim to fame before winning the Super Bowl?
2: Honestly, like, I totally forgot about it probably for like six years. It was so like such a small event of my life, right? Like it was like, I totally didn't even remember it happened until I got signed by the saints. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a funny story. Sean went to my high school, like knew Sean a little bit. Um, my, he was in my, like one of my good friends, he was in his wedding, like still very close friends. Um, you know, and my, my buddy's dad, you know, he, he would email Sean, like, hey, check out this cam break guy when I was at Harvard.
1: <laughs> Did you give him uh, an agent cut over here, yeah, you know?
2: <laughs> right. Um, of your
1: five-day salary there? Yeah,
2: yeah. I think he'd maybe earn, like, a hundred bucks. Yeah. that. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, so Sean came to our high school. Sean was was an April Central alum, and he came back. We were playing, you know, Crosstown, one of our Crosstown rivals in Iqua Valley. He came back. Um, it was actually kind of brutal because – we filmed this great it was a great speech in our locker room but it was like at two o'clock we had to like put our jerseys and uniforms on for the speech at two o'clock the game was at like 7 30 so we had to go into the locker room put our jerseys on act like we were going out for a game then take our jerseys off and go like go home for a while oh um but yeah it was actually you know he rallied the troops it was a great game we were down 17 nothing at halftime came back you know not to brag, but game winning <laughs> touchdown.
1: Uh, <laughs> it was that speech, wasn't right? it? Yeah,
2: it was. It was. But um, yes, yeah, so they made this "Boys of Fall" music video. Um, c- kind of a cool song if you like high school football. You know, a little nostalgia. Um, but yeah, it kind of blew up then once I went back to the Saints, and then I can't. Like ESPN found out about it somehow and did a piece on it last year. But um, kind of funny to look back on. Uh, you know. Sean came, gave the speech, and I'd later play for him. I guess <laughs> more like play against him. Yeah, but yeah,
1: yeah. Much more often doing that than yeah. those five days. That that is just so funny. Um, and another fun bond that you have thanks to Harvard is the Alex Kalorn.
2: Oh yeah, your fellow
1: Lightning guy, and I know everybody in Tampa loves a, a Bucks Lightning crossover. Yep. Uh, tell us about him and how you guys kind of got connected, and, and how cool it is to be able to have that that Harvard bond here.
2: Yeah, so I went to school with Alex. Alex is a couple years older than me. Um, He was like, so football at Harvard is like low man. on Like, I'm talking like not even athletes. We're low man on the totem pole, like in the entire (laughs) school. Like no one cares about Harvard football at Harvard. Like Everyone's like, like dumb jock, but like the dumbest of jocks (laughs) is the Harvard football team. So like in terms of like social hierarchy, like the hockey team was like the cool team. Oh, okay. So he was a couple years older than me.
1: So he's the cool crowd. He was
2: was one of the cool guys. It's very
1: funny to me, the idea of how Harvard is, like, the opposite of so many other places where you're like, oh, the football players are the uncool ones. Oh, yeah, we were
2: definitely the uncool ones. I love this. Yeah, so he was one of the cool ones. Uh, We lived in the same... Okay, we lived in the same house, but, like, the house holds, like, 400 kids. Oh. Yeah, so, like, um, we lived... uh, We were Dunster. We were Dunster House, and... um, so we would eat meals, you know, same billing. We would kind of say hello, like not really much of a relationship. Uh, they would always throw great parties that, you know, we were never invited to, <laughs> a couple of years younger. Um, but anyway, so like came to Tampa. I think I was at Soho Juice down in South Tampa and in comes Kelowna. I, I was not a huge hockey fan at the time. It was my rookie season.
1: Well, yeah, they hadn't invited you to parties. <laughs> exactly,
2: <I mean. laughs> exactly. But uh, kind of got connected then and. Um, you know, been here long enough that, you know, I've developed into a, it's easy to be a Lightning fan now, right? Yes. I think they're one of the best teams in the NHL, a couple Stanley Cups in a row, but, uh, started getting into hockey with him, you know, playing for the Lightning and, um, you know, developed a relationship with him and, yeah, we talk all the time, you know, come to each other's games. It's a good connect to have, to get tickets for Lightning games. Yeah, he, um, he
1: knows some people.
2: Exactly, and vice versa, you know, uh, help get him tickets for Bucks games, but, uh, you know, it's super cool, um to kind of have that relationship and uh, to rep- be representing Harvard and you know a field that Harvard is not really necessarily known for in athletics. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to have that. And it was cool a couple years ago. We had Fitz, too. Yeah. You know? So Harvard taking over the world.
1: I love it. We're talking to Titan Cambrite. And yeah, I mean, you're just the sixth Harvard alum to play in a Super Bowl and the third to win it, I think, is what I saw. Yeah, I had no idea. Well, you're welcome for that uh, fun little fact there. And how, how is that to hear that you were in such a uh, rarefied air?
2: You know, it feels great. Uh, <laughs> um, so my buddy, uh, who I mentioned earlier, Kyle Juszczyk, he's a fullback for the Niners. He was in the Super Bowl the year before, mm-hmm.
1: Two years scored a, a
2: touchdown, unfortunately didn't win, so I always have that on him, at least for now. Um, you know, he's made it to like five Pro Bowls, so he's got that on me, but... <laughs> I got the real bowl that matters.
1: Yeah, there you go. Got that ring to flash into his face right there. Um, and speaking of that, what were your favorite moments of the Super Bowl experience? That you know, BA talks about how you guys all have to move on, but I joke that here in the show we don't <laughs> have to move on. That it's this is the the circle of trust. We don't have to tell him that we're still talking about the Super Bowl win.
2: Okay, so like everything was amazing. Like, bowl parade, best day of my life. after party super bowl when you get married
1: by the way you might want to amend that answer regardless of whether or not it's true (laughs) i'm just trying to help you
2: (laughs) she also said it was the best day okay it was just it was so much fun you know after party with with, you know friends family teammates very incredible but just the journey like the whole season looking back like we had so many low moments um you know losing at home Sunday night football 38-3 to the saints um you know back-to-back losses at home versus the Rams and the Chiefs um, but just like looking back and seeing how it all all the pieces kind of fit together at the right time and uh, it was just so fun to be a part of um, you know the playoff run every single game was incredible like after having never been to playoffs before like the Washington game like this the saints game was like i still think was like the biggest win we had all season like being able to like finally usurp the top team in our division the team that like had blown us out a couple times that season like the past like five seasons to be honest um like going to lambo and the frozen tundra and then winning the super bowl at home like the whole thing was just incredible and um, just makes you want to do it again you know yeah.
1: I can imagine, and I we're talking to Titan Cambrate, and I would love to know how often you uh, are talked to about the trophy toss, like what percent <laughs> of your conversations <laughs> after that with strangers, friends, family, how much did you talk about that?
2: Yeah, for the first three months, it was like the opening line anyone ever had to me, yeah. What uh, were some
1: of the opening lines, or what were, the, what were some of the best or worst things people said about
2: it? People would throw throw stuff at me, expecting <laughs> me to catch it. Uh, Usually, you know, I catch it, but sometimes I wasn't really paying attention and just get hit by like a beer can or something. I'll be like, "Oh, what was that?" Um, But um, yeah, it was got talked about a lot, right? It it was a great pass by Tom, like easy catch, obviously, yeah. You know, but like it was such a small, you know, thing that happened. At least like for me, it was like inconsequential, yeah. You know. Um, but I guess for other people, it was like fun and exciting. So yeah, it was cool.
1: Yeah. It was cool. That's pretty funny. And, and I mean, we saw your, your chemistry with Brady on full display there, the trust, (laughs) the trust earned, uh, where do you feel like your chemistry is with him at this point, having a whole season under your belt, but then missing the time in the off season. Now a little bit into here, where do you feel like you two are at? I
2: feel like we're in a good spot, you know, me and Tom, um, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to just have chemistry right like you have to build it you have to earn the trust you have to be consistent in everything you do and that's like one thing i kind of pride myself on doing is being very consistent in the routes i run like this route this is where i'm going to be at this time you know and so having that consistency on my end it's i know that's a big deal for the quarterbacks and i feel like you know tom can kind of trust me on those timing routes that i'm going to be at that spot at the right time and um yeah i feel like you know not doing training camp this year that definitely put us back a little bit but getting all the rest we have in practice and being able to play a lot the last few games like we're definitely getting back to where we were last year
1: all right we have one more segment here on buccaneers total access with tight end cam brate brought to you by frontier communications and hooters don't go anywhere this is the buccaneers radio network
0: now more on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier Communications and by Hooters. Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips.
1: For our final segment here on Buccaneers Total Access with Cam Brady, brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. Uh, we were talking about the chemistry that you have with Brady, and I'd love to hear just overall the chemistry of um, even you guys with the coaching staff at this point of having Bruce Arians and Byron Lefwich for a bit and all the same personnel how have you seen that um that has helped the coaches and what they've been able to do and the schemes you guys have been able to have and just the, the influence that ba and, and byron Leftwich have had on you
2: yeah so it's definitely a different relationship with the coaches now after winning the super bowl it, it, like there's a level of trust there like having been through these difficult stressful you know high pressure situations and being able to execute and win games during those like it's a whole different level of trust than we had before, and um, you know when you're able to have those moments of success in like the biggest moments, like it totally changes a player coach relationship. Um, it feels like it's a little bit more collaborative, and um, you know they're still gonna tell us when you stink, but like. <laughs> Um, yeah, you
1: never have to wonder what what is going through BA's uh, mind. No
2: question. Yeah, yeah, no question. Same with Byron. Like after week one, we made a ton of uh, like uncharacteristic errors in the Cowboys game, and you know we still played relatively well as an offense. We you know probably had close to 500 yards, scored 31 points, um, but we just had a low light tape. That's all we did. No highlights were shown. It was just all the bad plays. Um, <laughs> but like that sounds very fun. Yeah, exactly. But it's that trust that we have now it's like it's both ways like we know that they're going to be real with us but they we also know they're going to take care of us when we need it and um you know as long as we keep winning games like that trust is going to be there so um yeah it's definitely a different relationship this year than than last year and um you know i think that's a positive positive.
1: and as much as you guys have had the same players for the most part uh incredible consistency all of a sudden there is a new addition and a fellow Ivy Leaguer, Richard Sherman. Oh, you'd forgotten?
2: Ivy League, oh, Ivy, well, Ivy League technically. of the West.
1: Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> he's, okay. not, he's
2: not a real Ivy Leaguer, but no, he is a smart guy. I will <laughs> give him
1: that. <laughs> Well, he
2: definitely. He definitely then we ended up
1: throwing shade at Stanford on this on it's this a, fa-
2: radio it's a fake, show. fake Ivy. Fake,
1: fake Ivy. Ivy. That's incredible. Well, please tell me if you end up telling him that to his face. I'd love to know how that goes.
2: <laughs> I don't think I'll say that to him.
1: I, maybe I'll just say it to him later. But like yeah. Cam was saying. Yeah, Cam by the way, Cam was
2: ripping on Stanford. Yeah, I'm day. just gonna
1: lob that grenade and walk away. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking a tight end um, But tell me what you've been able to already see from him. I mean, God, the guy is here for. Five minutes and then gets uh, thrown into the game and what you've known about him from watching him in years past and then him here now as a teammate, seeing him try to learn things, pick things up in just three days of practice, essentially.
2: Yeah. So obviously, you know, everyone knows who Richard Sherman is, you know, great player for a long time. Um, His locker, they put right next to mine, which is great. Uh, You know, being able to, one, be introduced to him, get to know him a little bit. Um, but just his—the thing I'll say about him that I'm very impressed with is his ability to—he's very outgoing, his ability to connect with all his teammates. So like he—he definitely has made that a priority, introducing himself to everyone, getting into conversations with people. Um, you know, I think he's going to fit in very well here in that regard. Um, but can't say enough about how he played yesterday. Right, I'm sure it wasn't up to his typical standard of what you know he expects of himself, but. He's practiced three three times in the past year, pretty much. And th- those are not like in-season practices, like those aren't super intense practices. Like those are making sure you have all the looks right. Like receivers aren't gonna like go up and make contested catches on the DBs, whatever. But for the first time being in a really competitive atmosphere in that situation, play basically every single play, I, I thought he did an incredible job stepping up to that. And Uh, I know he's only going to get better from here. Um, So I think he's going to be a huge addition. He's going to be a guy that all of our young DBs are going to learn a ton from.
1: And now you guys get to come back home finally after a couple games on the road. Uh, And we talked earlier about the noise and full stadiums of the road experience. But what has it been like for you to experience this full Raymond James (laughs) Stadium again this season um, after COVID and and just the frenzied crowd of a post-Super Bowl win team?
2: Yeah, so to go from, like, my first year here, 2014, we were awful. We were 2-14. Uh, we played a game middle of December. We were 2-12. and 12. The Packers were 12-2 and two, uh, at Raymond James, and we had to go silent count at home because they had 90% of the fans were Packers fans. So to go from that low point to, like, where we were at week one, week two this year um, – it's it's amazing. Like that is so big for us as players to have that support, um, to have the crowd energy, you know, helping out the defense on third downs, you know, uh, affecting the communication of the offense. Um, it's definitely an advantage for us, and that's something that we didn't always have in my time here. So it's just the level of excitement that Tampa has right now for the Bucks. It's just fun to be a part of, and hopefully we can keep winning games and keep getting Bucks fans coming out.
1: Absolutely. And what do you think the, the top things are that the offense wants to focus on for this week in particular coming off these last few games?
2: I would say we, we would probably want to build off what we did in the run game uh, yesterday. Uh, and I know we had talked about earlier, red zone, scoring touchdowns and not selling for field goals is definitely going to be a point of emphasis this week.
1: All right. Well, Cam, thank you so much for joining us. This has been awesome. And again, you get all the brownie points in the world for sitting down with us for an hour coming off of no sleep and an overnight flight and all of that. So yes, a ton of brownie points from
2: the radio show. Thank you. I'll take all the brownie points I can get.
1: All the brownie points. And thanks to all of you guys for listening and for being with us. This has been Buccaneers Total Access with Titan Cam Brait, brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network.